Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're still sitting here in uh, our beautiful French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France, and uh, I'm joined again with my co-host here in France, and that is uh, Robert Hutton. Robert, you okay? Good morning, Deacon. What a wonderful uh, French cafe, having a good cup of coffee. This is the most beautiful uh, uh, recording appearance we've had yet. We see the beautiful mountains here, and uh, it's just it's a lovely place. It's much better it? than our corner booth in Memphis. It's I too bad to it's that. radio. No one else can see this I but know, us. But just but imagine. It's, it's exactly. really nice. Um, so we're going to talk about a very important topic, and since we're here in Lourdes uh, on this pilgrimage, and we're joined with the uh, the Order of Malta, Robert, I thought maybe we'd do a, a show on some of the, the works of the Order of Malta. And Deacon, we could have no better guess, because we have the person that is actually responsible for all of the uh, charitable work of the Order, the Grand Hospitaller of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta. That's right. This is uh, Albrecht, Baron von Bersalager. And, um, Baron, we thank you so much for joining us here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure always to be in Lord and to be with you. Yes, well, <laughs> wonderful. It's a blessing for us as well. So, uh, Baron, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we, we, we know a little bit about the Order of Malta. I think some people realize we've had a couple of shows about, in general, the Order of Malta. We know that they have uh, this sort of twofold mission to, to defend the faith, right, but then also to work with the sick and the poor. And this is something that, that you, as, as the Grand Hospitaller, uh, have a lot to do with. And maybe you could tell us a little bit, because I, I know that my listeners in America probably don't know a lot about what a Hospitaller does. And what, is, what does that word mean, and how does that apply to what you do? The, it's a very old title in the Order. The Hospitaller, from the early beginnings of the Order, has been the person who was responsible for the hospital. And today it means it's the position to be responsible for the charitable medical work the order does around the world. Well, Baron, did the order have hospitals? You said we were responsible for the hospital. Was that? It started with a hospital in Jerusalem, oh. a hospital and a hospice to take care of injured and weak pilgrims mainly. And, and, and how appropriate that the Grand Hospitaller, that 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 title hospitaller would be something that would apply to helping the, the sick and the poor, to, to yeah. giving aid and comfort to those uh, and bringing healing to them. Uh, and so that's a beautiful part of what the order does. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the order uh, carries out these works and, and, and who might benefit from these things? It, it's very difficult to explain in few words because we only we, have 30 the, minutes. The, the, okay. <laughs> it has been the tradition of the order all the time to adapt its help to the rising situations. So, of course, we have to work differently in developed countries or in underdeveloped countries. Um, One of the focuses of our mission has always been to try to pay attention to those who are not in the limelight. Ah, the lost and the forgotten. Mm, Yeah. So, and these people exist in all societies, in right, the poor countries and in the rich countries. We hear about uh, uh, grave catastrophes that happen, right, and uh, hurricanes, uh, tsunamis, and these terrible devastating things. And, of course, the order is very involved 
in these very public events, right? As you say in the limelight, right? Things that are obvious that we see on the news and we hear about. But then there is this other element that's that's sometimes as devastating that's that's carried on. A lot of people kind of forget, and we call those the lost and forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that you all do a lot of work with the gypsies, right? Yeah. And and uh, so, what kind of work do you do you do with these gypsies? The gypsies are a very special kind of people. Let's say they are quite separate society mm-hmm. in the society as our of our countries in Europe, especially in Eastern, Southeastern Europe. They have their own culture. They are organized, or their society is organized in castes, like in India, for instance. Right, the caste system is what yeah. we would know. Yeah. Right? And it's not easy to help them because they are... Uh, They've pulled them so they're separated, and so it's hard culturally to yeah. cross that barrier. So that's a challenge, I imagine. Are these the people doing in the, that beg? Like, I've been to Europe before, Baron, and there are people that are begging and well, on the streets. Yeah. And they, for just until recently, many of them were not settled and wandering around in Europe. Like, so they didn't have houses? Yeah. They lived on the streets? or Yeah, in, in cars and tents and moving around and only after World War II when Europe was divided between the communist bloc and the democratic countries and within the communist bloc also the borders were quite strict border they had to stop moving as they did before I know in 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 America you know our perception of if you if when I say the word mm. gypsy right we know from our hollywood movies right what we think a gypsy is but it but it it's a very different reality out there in the world that, that I was hoping that we'd be able to help some of these lost and forgotten to maybe be remembered at this point and just and let's, let's shed a little limelight on this subject. Um, so these people are, tend to be very poor. They tend to not have uh, uh, places to live and call their own or whatever, and they tend to be uh, either uh, they're migrants, they're moving around, they're itinerant workers, or they're, uh, they, as, as Robert <laughs> was saying, as, as they might be found on the streets uh, looking for uh, handouts and whatnot. And so they're definitely a people that are in need. Especially in our modern society, because their educational system is very weak. And in our modern Western societies, there's not much room for people who have no good education. And so that's why it's a wonderful thing that the, uh, that the order has taken this upon itself to, to help eradicate some of the, the injustice. Yeah, to, to help them to integrate, to get ed- education, to, let's say, overcome mistrust and to reconciliate between them and their neighboring societies. That's the main work we do. With how do you do that, Baron? Do you have social workers, or how, how, do, you, how do you... Yeah, how does that play out? We have, we have social workers, we have doctors, we have teachers, and quite a number of volunteers. Uh, volu- and what are some of the programs that are involved? Uh, taking children to holidays, helping with homework after school, uh, convincing parents to send their children to school, having programs in the school to assure that they will be integrated with the rest of the pupils and not pushed aside. So it's a very complex... Essentially, you know, when you say things like that, essentially it's, it's, it sounds like any good charitable action, any good Christ-like action is really what you're, what you're doing here, being Christ to these people yeah. uh, and helping them to realize that they're part of a greater family and that they're not separated. Exactly. 
you said it's a little bit of a challenge to sort of break that cultural barrier. Is that something that you're able to work on? Do you have any maybe of those gypsies? Do they ever um, help you out more and help you? Do they, are there any there that, that are receptive to, uh, to your cause to help them? Yes, they are. They are very much, uh, though we face difficulties which are difficult to explain, um, if, for instance, one member of, of one of the lower castes, due to help for his education, achieves to, to make his way, he will be not be accepted by the right. upper castes of the gypsies themselves. So it's a very difficult... Oh, so even, even the gypsies within that caste yeah, system yeah, yeah. have they a have caste a system within, yeah, their, yeah, within yeah. their own. Well, that, that yeah, they, you know, for the different castes, different occupations were allowed in the past. Okay. And it's, also this is difficult to overcome. Have you seen, have you seen progress in the years yeah, that you've yeah. been doing this? Yeah. What kind of things do you see? What kind of fruits do we have that, that come from these good works? Um, uh, young people who integrate into the, let's say, normal labor system and work. Yeah, that's the stuff you look forward to because yeah. you always look like I, when I'm doing my ministry as a deacon, I'll look to the young people as the future of the church. And I guess when we're trying to get those young people and the gypsies to integrate, if you've got the young people that are starting to integrate, then that really is the future. That's a sign that they're, yeah. they've crossed. Because in America, we have an expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So it's harder to get the, yeah. uh, the older folks, the more traditional, the ones yeah. that, to, to, to break free from what they're yeah, they've been what, used to. What we have to do with the old people or grandparents, parents, is to get them to accept that the children get education. It's sometimes difficult. Is there also a challenge not only in, um, in breaking that cultural barrier to be, uh, to be with the gypsies, but is there also a challenge in getting the people that we want the gypsies to integrate with? In other words, is there, is there still a reluctance to, uh, to accept the gypsies for who they are? Oh, yes. Is, because there are many reasons, because it has been a tradition of the gypsies and it's not a moral let's say deficiency to steal from others ah yes and so now do you see uh, a potential there for uh, uh, some work for the order to, uh, to to help when you integrate the gypsies to help those that you're integrating them with to be yeah, more yeah. accepting we, we suffered quite a setback in the economical crisis. Oh, that makes it even more challenging. That, yeah, it made it and let's say there are especially in the eastern countries there are some radical let's say right-wing movements arising which take their, let's say public attention by being against those people. Ah, well, so, it, so violence is arising too. Well, so it's not always a success story, but every single one we succeed to help I think is a success but didn't the laws require the kids to go to school I didn't understand is that there, there yeah. are laws but to implement the laws is another question uh, and that's another age old problem mm-hmm. we can we can uh, uh, we can what we again another English expression or we can whitewash you know we can make something look good even mm-hmm. though it's yeah. not really having an effect but I think that one of the great things about the order is that you all um, 
you were down in the in the trenches. You were actually down in there with your hands getting dirty and doing the yeah. the good works, right? Being Christ to those people, ministering directly to them, and so that you're not just whitewashing and, and covering up. You're actually going in uh, at the bottom, and you're kind of uh, helping heal at that point, and that's uh, very good. We don't have to prove too many figures, so that makes it easier. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, we have more to talk about on this very important subject, which will change tune a little bit here and not talk about people. We're going to talk about a disease in just a minute when we come right back, but. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And I would love for you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, And so uh, we will uh, come back after this. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. In modern times, there is one great saint known for his love and dedication to those afflicted with leprosy, Father Damien of Molokai. Joseph de Voister was born in the mid-19th century in Belgium, the seventh of eight children. His father was a farm merchant who wanted his athletic son to take over the family business. But Joseph wanted to become a Catholic missionary priest. He joined the Congregation of Jesus and Mary in perpetual devotion to the Most Blessed Sacrament and was given the religious name of Damien. Though he struggled in school, he ultimately completed his studies and was sent in 1864 to Hawaii, where he was ordained a priest. At that time, Hawaii was plagued by many diseases that had been introduced to the native population by immigrants. One of these diseases was leprosy. Because it was learned that leprosy was highly contagious, King Kamehameha decreed that lepers should be quarantined in remote parts of the island. These colonies, though provided with food, were completely isolated and they developed a reputation for debauchery and immoral living. The Hawaiian bishop knew that the lepers in these colonies needed a priest to minister to them, but he was unwilling to order any one priest to serve as this was believed to be, in essence, a death sentence. Father Damien quickly volunteered, and on May 10, 1873, arrived at the village of Kala'upapa. Father Damien's first act upon entering the village of 816 lepers was to build a church dedicated to St. Philomena. Father Damien not only served the spiritual needs of the people, but he also built homes, dressed sores, dug graves, and built coffins. He soon thereafter asked that he be allowed to remain with the lepers rather than to rotate with other priests. In a letter to his brother, Father Damien exclaimed, that I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all for Jesus Christ. Father Damien's influence is seen as the turning point for the colony, making it a virtuous community. Ultimately, Father Damien himself contracted the disease and became one of his beloved lepers. He died of the disease on April 15, 1889, and was ultimately canonized in 2009 by Pope Benedict XVI. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. And uh, we are, of course, joined by Albrecht Baron von Berzelager. And we are so honored to have you here, sir. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule here in Lourdes to join us. Thank you. And so we're talking about the lost and the forgotten, right? We just spent some time talking about the gypsies, and I think it's awesome that the order has really taken to heart its mission and working with with those people and bringing that to the fore and letting people realize that that's an important topic and an, an important endeavor. But then there's also things that affect people. And one of the things that was interesting, I think, was this idea that uh, as an American, maybe we've gotten a little too complacent and we think a lot of things are taken care of and they're done and they're dealt with, right? We've tended to be a land of prosperity and, and everything is and, and, and it's a safe and healthy atmosphere, right? And so we think disease is something that other that's pretty much been eradicated and gone. And, and I know when we read our scriptures, we read about things like leprosy. And I... I think up to a couple of years ago, I would have told my kids, well, that's something that used to be around a long time ago, but there is no more leprosy. But then I've come to know that actually in some places, this is still a terrible disease. And I know that the, uh, the order is very involved in that. Baron, can you tell us a little bit about what the, what the order does with the leprosy? Uh, leprosy, you're right, still exists. The numbers are even rising in the recent years. And these, the illness has still the same consequences as described in the Bible. Oh, it's devastating and tragic. So, and people are outcasts of society. And but it's curable, Baron, isn't it? It's curable, but it's not preventable. That's a problem. There's no vaccine. And so, and, and so and these the people in- incubation time can last up to 12, 16 years. Mm. So you can never know whether you have eradicated it because there will probably be people who carry it before it comes out. That's the problem. And it's a very unfortunate thing. Again, this is the situation where people think, well, that's something that's been taken care of. I don't have to focus mm. on that. And so you see very little effort in that, in that area trying to help these people. But each individual that's touched in a, in a way mm. by this disease, it's devastating for them. It is, what their normal existence would be is gone. Yeah, and it's considered by societies as a curse and those people are thrown out of the village and forgotten. What countries would this be in, Baron? Is this Europe or is it southern? It's I mean, mainly Southeast South Asia, India, um, South America, Brazil. And so what, what does the order do in terms of leprosy? There are different steps. First, first step is to monitor or help to develop programs to screen population and to find the, uh, the lepers. The first signs of leprosy are spots on the skin which are not easy to discover. And if the medical personnel does not have the experience, they will not diagnose it. Do they look like just like any other kind of irritation or something? Yeah, and they are very... I see. Robert was looking at his hand to see. I don't know that you have leprosy. Never been checked for leprosy. Well, and again, but you would never know to ask, right? I didn't think think it existed as a disease. I really didn't. That's right. And so that's... that's, uh, So, so for instance, we are responsible for the, let's say, uh, supervision of the uh, public screening project in Cambodia, a very difficult country. Then it needs a medication depending on the... There are different types of leprosy. So depending on the type, quite long-term multidrug therapy. And we have to make sure... Or you have to make sure that the patients take the medicaments regularly. The germ, the bacillus, is similar to tuberculosis. So it's a similar treatment. 
You know, and that's always a challenge when you are going to a third world country or somewhere where people think that they're going to go to the doctor, they're going to get uh, that. uh, I I know we know someone who's involved in the order in our uh, region who uh, they go and they do eye surgeries and they basically do what would essentially be a miracle to these people. They go to a village in Sierra Leone and they they fix someone's eyes and they can see and they were blind and now they can see and that's a beautiful thing. But there's, uh, there's care that needs to take place. Uh, regularly afterwards, yeah. and a lot of people they don't know that, or they don't they, they don't, don't follow that, up, and then they don't and they don't understand right. many of them. Right, so they don't. And take then the those are many of those countries are countries with political instabilities. Right. So it's sometimes there are turmoils, and it's difficult to follow up with the patients. Obviously, so very difficult. Well, that's the second step, and the third part is to treat leprosy patients which are already handicapped. And how do you, and, how do you deal with those? So it's uh, um, surgery, right. prosthesi- prosthetics, prosthetics, yes. prosthetics mm-hmm. and rehabilitation, teaching them some jobs or, That's and great. then helping them to reintegrate, to, let's say to convince their families or societies that they are cured, that there's no danger of transmission anymore. Does the stigma affect treatment barren people are people ashamed of leprosy of course yes and they are hiding so it's not so easy to find them because they don't want anybody to know they have leprosy you know it's amazing i see a great similarity between what we were talking about with the gypsies right where they sort of stay separate and then there's challenges in in integrating and all these things the 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 difference is that the gypsies are a society they are not alone by themselves the lepers are alone Oh, do they, they so live traditionally in because in they are thrown out of their family. You know, they have no no one to relate to. Well, that's obviously a difficult task. Yeah. Then. No, I mean it, it sounds to me like the, that's part of the problem. Is I guess the, are the families ashamed of people when they have yeah. leprosy? Uh, it's yeah. like a stigma. I guess yeah. would AIDS be kind of in the past? I mean, not so much today, but you know, there are different diseases that have a little bit of a. Some people could say there's a stigma to it that you have to overcome to. Yeah. AIDS is a different matter. AIDS okay. is a modern disease. It's not linked so much with traditional perceptions, let's say. You know, so leprosy is worse than Leprosy is worse. It's great that, again, that in something that, that seemed like it was eradicated and done or it was not even worthy of, of talking about mm-hmm. because it was something from the past, um, it's great that the order is, is, is undertaken that. And I see, again, I see the challenge that it's not just a simple thing of going and giving somebody a pill and, and everything's fixed because mm-hmm. that would be the easy thing. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're noticing all these um, obstacles even within the person you're trying to assist in, in letting you help and assist them. And when we have also to teach people that, let's say, the transmission, the risk of transmission depends on your hygiene, your way of living, and so on. You and me, we would probably never get leprosy, even if we would live with them. Mm. You know, it's like tuberculosis. In any subway in New York, you w- there are tuber- tuberculosis germs, but you would not get them because you are healthy and can resist. That's similar to leprosy. How many people do we have working with the lepers in the order? Do we have an idea of... Uh, I can't tell you exact figures. But, but a large number? Not a very large number, because... Um, our task mainly is to 
train local staff to supervise local programs. So the personnel involved is not very high, but it's very this, efficient. It's the skill set of the people yeah. that uh, have yeah. to know how to train yeah. people to prevent the disease. And let's say many of those countries, there is corruption, so we have to monitor that the means invested are spent properly and so on. How many years has the order been working with the lepers? Uh, let's say the bigger program started just after World War II. Okay, so it's been a while. And so, because yeah. what I'm getting the sense is that, and, and as you're sitting there telling me things that I didn't even know about leprosy, um, that, that the Order of Malta has become quite the expert in terms of, of this disease in the modern world. Yeah, to get, we are not the only ones, but right. we You're have working been with others. Yeah, with others. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Now, do you see uh, in any time, um, you know, in in our in our foreseeable future, that this disease would be eradicated? I no, just because of the difficulties. Yeah, as long as there's no vaccine, it will not be eradicated. So it will always come back in some form or fashion. Yeah, and that's the danger, the, the danger of success in a way, because. If it's almost eradicated in one place, but not totally, the knowledge and know-how of the medical personnel will fade, and and the patients will not be diagnosed early enough, and then it will rise again. It will rise again, and then you've got to go back and redo all those efforts again. That's a great challenge, Baron. I I can see that. uh, But at the same time, I'm so uh, grateful and thankful, just as a a human citizen, that that, that the order is taking that on. Uh, because I have to admit, it's probably difficult to find people. Uh, it's not necessarily just difficult dealing with the lepers. It's probably difficult dealing, convincing people that it's yeah. okay to go and to work uh, yeah. with, with yeah. the lepers. Yeah, I think that's our mission. And, you know, I am, let's say, I've, in, in the um, apostolic letter, Donvo Millennio in Yeonte, which was written by the late Pope Jean-Paul II, who will be beatified tomorrow. Right, beatification. Um, he says the, um, the church and will be judged in, in the third millennium as well by its orthodoxy of, his, of the teaching as by the ways that it carries out charity. Yeah, and that and goes back. It's a common theme we have here at the Catholic Cafe, yeah. and that is you, you not only have to know your faith, you have to live it, yeah. right? You have to act and, and be, the, be the hands of Christ. And yeah. it looks like the order is, uh, has been for quite some time well on its way to accomplishing at that. Least, at least we try. That's always the good thing is to try. Uh, Baron, thank you so much for joining us here and, and enlightening us on these uh, important topics about the lost and forgotten. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, we're going to close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, sent to heal us in mind, body, and spirit. Help us to come to your Son, to bring all that burdens us, and lay it at his feet. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>